All right, well, hey, good morning. I'd like to welcome you too, whether you're in the room or online. My name is Mark. I'm the executive pastor here. And we are in the middle of a series where we've been talking about what the marriage relationship uh, should look like. And we've been dealing with a lot of the things, kind of the major threats to that relationship. Just if it's easy to find those statistics out there, what are the things that, that cause marriages to break up? And we've just been dealing with one after another. So I think we've said this every week, but I would say it again. If you, if you missed one, I would encourage you to, to go back and, and watch it online. Uh, this is kind of one of those series where it makes good sense to have a notebook out and to take some of these notes and to try to take these things. Always there's application uh, from a message that you can take and put into practice, but so much more even, even this series. And, and you know, every week, Charlie has made the case that whatever the topic was that week, that that one was the most important. But I think mine's the most important. So, and this is, this is why I think it's the most important. You know, he dealt with the first week, uh, our relationship with those extended family members that could threaten the relationship with our spouse and those relationships, uh, you know, outside even with our children that could have more of an importance to us and take a higher priority than, than with our spouse and the trouble that that could cause. Um, we've talked about how uh, money issues could be a big deal. We've talked about sex. But in each week, at the end of the time, what has Charlie said to go do? He said, hey, you should totally get together and talk about this. And I know for a lot of us, <laughs> you, you hear talk about this, but, but, but talking's the problem. But talking's the problem. Whatever the issue is, yeah, we, we, we can deal with that. But, but that's one thing. The, the thing is, can we even sit together and have a conversation? That feels like climbing Mount Everest, just setting the time to get together and talk and not getting into a fight. We can't even talk. And so today we're going to talk about what it looks like to, to have good communication and just, just some keys to that. And, um, you know, I've seen that this is a major problem, and it's easy to point out or to see when you're looking at maybe friends or other couples than to, to look at your marriage. And so I'll pick on other people. You know, at times we've, we've been at a party or something, and guys have been out around the campfire, and a, a guy will say something like, yeah, oh, man, yeah, we're... We're, you know, we're just about out of the diaper stage. You know, our second is, is just about out of diapers. And, man, I'm so glad. And, man, I think, you know, now we can, we can you know, just I can go get me a truck or something like that. And, uh, you know, with the extra money that we'll have because we don't have diapers. And then, and then we'll go into the house and the girls will be hanging out. And one of his wife's girlfriends has a newborn that she's holding and rocking and talking about their plans to buy uh, a minivan and have their third. And you look at the guy, and you're like, I don't, I, don't think, I, I don't think you two guys have been talking. Or sometimes even in the same room, you know, she'll mention something about a restaurant, and he'll go on some soapbox about how the quality of the food there is not so great, or the, the food at this other restaurant is better, or it costs too much, or the service is bad. And you see a little tear swelling up in her eye, because she wasn't talking about the restaurant. She was saying she wanted to go on a date. She just wanted to go out and eat somewhere. She'd go eat a hot dog at a, you know, at a truck if, if he would take her and they would spend, because they hadn't had a date in months. But he's missing it, and the two of them are not on the same wavelength. It happens all, all the time, and, and you see it that we just don't communicate well. And so 
Um, let's start out with Matthew 19. This is the verse that we've been looking at every week, but I want to look at it uh, in a little bit of a different angle today. It's, uh, it's where the Pharisees are testing Jesus. It says, beginning in verse 3, Some Pharisees came to him to test him. They asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Which is an interesting question. Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female and said, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. United. And the two will become one. So they are no longer two, but they are one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. And so we've said again and again and again, hey, this, this marriage thing is this transition from a me and you to, to a we. There is this, this whole new creation that takes place. Those wedding vows, that consummation of the marriage is not just, you know, hey, we're, we're two single folks and now we've, we're making a contract and we're going to live under the same house and maybe share our finances. This is, this is a whole new thing. The you and I becoming a we is a new creation. And you can't treat it like it was the same thing it was before. Every time anybody tries to do that, Two single people in mindset living in a house together and saying that they're married, it breaks because they're trying to make it something that it's not. This is a brand new thing. The two have become one, and that's new. Now, I've told you before about a, uh, a golf cart that my dad bought back in the day. He bought it when I was in high school. I think he told me the other day that it was an 88 model. I mean, it was already used when, when we got it. And uh, if you remember, I, I talked about it because it was really, really fast. When he was, when he was walking away from the place <clears throat> that he bought it, the, the guy said, hey, by the way, I removed any, you know, the governor or anything to hold back the, the speed. And we found out, man, this thing would fly. And so even though we couldn't play golf that well, we could get to the ball really quick. So if it was in the woods, you know, we could, we could beat everybody and kind of throw it back. No, we didn't do that. But we, could, we were faster than everybody else anyway. Well, as, as time went on, my dad was playing less golf and grandkids were starting to come into the picture. And so he decided to alter this golf cart into what we call today the beep beep. And the beep beep is jacked up with huge mud tires on it. He, uh, he took the back place where you would normally set the golf clubs, and he put a, a, a bench there so that you could seat more people. And now this thing is, is incredible. I mean, this week, we had so much fun on the beep beep. I mean, we hooked a rope on the back of it. You know, the twins, Brent, I could, I, I could put 20 people back there. It would pull them through the snow, down the road, over the hill, and through the dell, everywhere you wanted to go. In fact, at one point, me and Dad are sitting in the golf cart. We're just looking over each other like, I can't believe it doesn't slip. It doesn't slide. I was pretty ready to take on, like, people out there in their four-wheelers and things side by side. I'm like, bring it on. I got my golf cart. The beep beep will take you. It just felt like, man, this thing is awesome. And it's also, like, I mean, it's 88 model. Think about that. But anyway, it was, it's awesome. But you know what? It's no longer a golf cart. <laughs> what would happen if we tried to take that and take it to a golf cart course? 
They'd kick us off, man, fine us. We'd be putting big ruts down through the middle of the golf course. We wouldn't have any place to put our bags because there's no place to put a golf bag anymore. It's not a golf cart anymore. I don't know what you call it. We call it the beep beep, but it's not a golf cart. It's something awesome and beautiful. And in my opinion, because I'm not a big golfer, it's better than it ever was. But it is not a golf cart. That's what marriage is, this whole brand new thing. And we can't look at it like what it was before. We can't try to just all do it. No, this is this brand new thing, and we need to embrace it as though it was. Um, you know, in this, in this marriage relationship, in conversation, we get to design and to further define this new creation by talking and aligning our united view of things. We get to design it. We get to make definition of what this new thing is by talking it out and uniting our views. Do you remember those early days on the phone? Terry and I, we're, we're you know, coming up on 24 years of marriage, and we dated long before that because we were high school sweethearts. And I remember being on the phone with a long line hooked into the wall in my room on the phone with her feeling like there was, uh, man, 10,000 volts coming through the line. Like, this is incredible. I'm talking, and this is some new species that I've discovered. And she sees things really, really differently than me. And she's, she's talking about things that I don't really care about, but I'm amazed because I'm caring about it because I care about her. And I just don't know what to And it just feels so, so powerful, and I couldn't wait to get to the phone and to hang on it. And, and ten, you know, two hours seemed like ten minutes, right? I mean, it just felt so powerful. At any moment, I knew my parents could pick up on the line and hear what we're saying. You remember those days? But, but, you can't, but, but anyway, I, I was really, really, really powerful. So what, what happens over time when it feels like I'm not even sure if I want to have the conversation? We just start to assume that we already know all the answers. Or we start to avoid the conversation because we're afraid it might end up in, in some kind of conflict over something. Where, where did the electricity go? It's, it's so vital that we're in communica- communication and connecting. Where, where did it go? So here's a few things. Uh, I'm going to really just stay in Proverbs. There's a lot of places we could go today, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay in Proverbs 18 and try to give you just four kind of high-level ideas. I mean, this could be a whole series. We could talk about it a whole lot, but four big things. And the first one is you got to have the conversations. You got to have them. You can't, you can't assume. You, you can't avoid. You, you have to have them. And I'll admit, in our story, uh, my personality type is one that um, I don't mind conflict. In fact, I kind of like it, and I'm t- I tend to just kind of go at it. So early on in our marriage, if there was something that needed to be talked about, I'm like, no, we're going to talk about it, and we're going to talk about it now, and we're going to talk about it until it gets talked all the way out, until it's talked no more. And I found out, if you're like that in the room, that's not necessarily the best play. That, that can have it, its opposite issues where you say way too much. I'll talk about this in a second, where you say way, way too much. And Terry has taught me a lot about the power of, hey, maybe we should just wait a second and breathe and then talk about it. Or maybe we should come back to this. But avoiding the conversation, avoiding it, no. You, you just you can't. You have to have the conversations. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 1 says this. Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against sound judgment. And this is not just talking about marriage, but so much the more in marriage. The one who isolates himself, 
who lives in his own little world, who doesn't have the conversation, who doesn't connect, seeks his own desire, he breaks out against all sound judgment. That doesn't, it just doesn't work. You can't live as two single people living under the same roof. You can't pretend like like everything's fine and not have the conversations about the things that are going on in life. (laughs) Uh, I remember a few years ago, Terry and I were about to go to sleep, and we heard this little noise over in the corner in the room. And I heard it too, but I was like, oh, that's just, that's just the air conditioner kicking on, baby. She said, no, no, I think there's a critter in there, or something in here. No, 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 I, it's probably the fan, you know, the fan's probably moving some papers over there. It's just fine. <laughs> Try to pretend like I'm asleep so we'll just forget it. You know, it didn't happen. It didn't happen. We don't have a mouse in the house. Well, next night... Same thing again. You heard it kind of moving, but now it was in a different place. No, 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 no. It's not. Let's just, go to, let's just go to sleep. Next morning, I'm up early, and I'm reading in the living room, and I actually see something scurry along the wall. But I just look away. No, I didn't see that. I didn't see, I was, I, even to my own self, I didn't want to admit that there was a mouse in our house. I, I didn't want to have to do whatever we had to do with deal with it. But finally, I said, okay, there's something. Wait, there's droppings and things like that. There's something here. <clears throat> well, Terry's response is, man, we got to set up tripwires and motion detectors, get some AKs and a, and a grenade and set it there because we're going to blow this, <laughs> this mouse to pieces. And then I'm like, you know what? I mean, well, I'll go to the store and get something. So I go to the store and get the cheapest thing they had, which was this little tray that had sticky stuff on it so that the you know, would stick to the thing. Well, we put those out there, and then that next night, we hear the scurry, and then the sound gets louder because little mice feet on the sticky thing are dragging it all the way across the room until he finally hits a door, and it comes off, and then it just scurries off. Well, that didn't really work. Tried it again, same thing. So I go back, and she's wanting to spend all this money in these fancy traps. I'm like, we don't need a fancy trap, baby. These will take care of it. So I get the cheap wooden trap. Well, then we wake up the next morning, and they're all tripped, and the, the bait's gone, but no mouse. And so now I'm three traps deep, and I buy the big dog, you know? And it got the mouse. It was horrific. I mean, it was a murder scene, but it got it. It did the job. And finally, I went through all of that. It cost me more than I'd ever planned because I just wouldn't admit, wouldn't just deal with the issue, we got to do something about this. I should have started out there, but I tried to pretend like it wasn't there. And that's what we do. We take the things of life and we try to just pretend because we're afraid there might be conflict there or we assume that we already know. So we just try to, you know, stay away from it. But we have to have the conversations. And we have to have the conversations not just when things are going poorly. You just have to have an ongoing conversation and time set just to talk and to recalibrate. You know, I was thinking about this. You know, uh, my boys uh, have wrestled, and if you, if you watch guys wrestling or if you watch boxing or something like that, MMA, like there's this constant, like, t- you know, checking how the wrestlers will check how far they are from the floor and how far they are from the other guy because they want to keep the right distance. Not too close, not too far away, but we're constantly calibrating how far we are away. That's what we have to be doing in marriage constantly. Hey, are we close? Are we close? Oh, we've slipped. Man, let's, let's talk about this issue that's keeping us apart. Oh, come this way. Like, we, we just keep on calibrating. It's like uh, your Wi-Fi. This, might, this one might make more sense. Your Wi-Fi and your TV or your computer or whatever. You know, we had it happen yesterday. It, it started, you know, there's just this thing on the screen. It's just spinning. 
Now, what's wrong? Did the internet go down? No. Is the TV broke? No. Is the what? No. It just needs to reset. So you just turn it all off and turn it back on again, and magically, it's all good. That's, that's what you have to do. We just have to constantly be recalibrating and not let it get bigger and bigger and bigger and assume and avoid until now we're on two radically different pages. And that's normally when people walk into counseling and go, do something with this. We're, in two diff- we're on two different continents. Well, how did how, you get there? Well, oh, yeah, the mouse was in the house, but we didn't deal with it early. And so now it's a gorilla. <laughs> we don't know what to do with the gorilla. You have to have the conversations. The other thing is, in these conversations, we have to assume the best intentions of the other person. Assume the best. And we real quickly, we're real quick to assume the worst, but we have to assume the best. Look at this, Proverbs 18, 21 and 22. The tongue has the power of life and death, which... By the way, I mean, that's just a reoccurring theme of the scriptures, so I could go a lot of places and say that, but you, we need to get our minds around that. The, the tongue has the power of life and death. The things that we say, the things that we keep quiet, this communication thing, man, it has the power of life and death. Those who love it will eat its fruit. But then look at the second part, and which is interesting. This just finds its way in Proverbs chapter 18, and it just, he just kind of drops this in there. He who finds a wife finds... What is good and receives favor from the Lord? He who finds a wife, he who find, she who finds a husband, they find something good. Y'all, this marriage thing is a, is a good thing. And we go through time and trying to do life together and all the stresses and all the things. And somehow, if we're not careful and we're not recalibrating our love, our connection, you know, with all these different issues, then what will happen is you'll become really forgetful. And you'll forget that this is, this is good. A lot of conversations. I mean, I remember one recently where a guy and his wife were having a lot of trouble, and we sat down to talk about it, and he sped out all the venom of all the things that she had done wrong and all the ways she had wronged him. And, he, of course, he never says all the ways that he had wronged her that I also knew about. But, man, he threw it all out there. And then I was just compelled to stop and say, Hey, dude, tell me when you first saw her. Tell me that story again. What was it about her that attracted you to her? Tell me about the first time you held her hand. Tell me about that, man. What was that like? Why did you ask her? Of all the, why did you ask this one to marry you? He just needed to remember that he loved this girl and that she loved him and that this thing is it's good and that they like each other. And so why not assume the best from the other person instead of assuming the worst? Assuming that they're coming into the conversation with some, something to hurt you with, something that you have to be defensive of. Why not drop the fist and not make it a fight? Terry and I had a little scuffle this week about snow boots. If you're, if you're a daddy, you may have had this discussion. Because what happens? <sighs> These kids keep on getting bigger. They don't just stay the same size. And the last time the snow fell was a long time ago, and they were a different size then than they are now. So, so Jack and Darcy, they, they, they got bigger feet. And, you know, the, the, the boots that fit them before don't fit them. So, yeah, Darcy's are a little tight, but, but they, they work. 
And Jack's are a lot bigger, so his didn't work. And he wears a one, but we had some sixes, and those work. And so I strapped the sixes on to Jack and tied them up really tight and squeezed Darcy's foot into her boot. And, and Terry's like, no, we got to go get them new snow boots. In fact, on, on Valentine's night, we're on a date, and she's like, oh, let's go shopping for snow boots. What? What are you talking about? I went to all the stores near, near us, and none of them, they were all sold out, so I was going to have to make a trip a long way to go get snow boots. And so here we are, multiple days, we're having this discussion. Hey, why aren't you buying them snow boots? I'm like, the snow boots they got are just fine. I'll get them snow boots at some point, but right now, I'm trying to hang out with my children. Which of us was wrong? Neither of us were wrong. We just weren't listening to one another. And we were assuming the worst. Her value was, hey, I I, I want my kids to have shoes that fit them, you know, and for their feet not to freeze. That's good. I I agree with that. Those intentions are great. My, My intention and heart is, I don't want to spend two hours going to find shoes when we're not running a marathon. They're riding on the back. I'm pulling them in a sled. They're not even standing up on their feet. I can put enough socks on them and enough clothes and wrap them in a, you know, and and we'll be just fine and make it through this week. And then we'll go find some snow boots, which I have purchased the snow boots now. (laughs) But we didn't have them this week. But Daddy got a lot of time with Jack and Darcy. Which one of those values was bad? Neither. Why did it have to be a conflict? The only reason it had to be a conflict is because at our core, the first thing we do when something is said is we go like this, because we assume you're taking some kind of shot at me. Instead of just assuming, baby, I don't know what you're trying to say right now, because <laughs> you're coming from a different wavelength to me, which is really a good thing that we're coming from different wavelengths, right? That she doesn't think like me and I don't think like her, because both of those things are really important. But we have to assume that the intentions are good and that they're coming from a good place, and not, intend, not intended to hurt. The third thing, seek to understand more than being understood. And y'all, this one is absolutely huge, and I've got the, the most of uh, Proverbs 18 that talks about this, that we seek to understand more than being understood, which is a supernatural thing. It's the thing that sets Believing marriage, followers of Christ, their marriages apart and makes them really, really special. Because it's this, instead of being selfish and being all about being right, we become all about understanding and loving the other person first. And we put ourselves second. You know, Charlie said this about, about sex last week, right? That, you know, when two people, you know... Uh, have sex, and they are just about themselves, and they're really selfish, you can call that something. But that's not what God designed. That's not the holy, beautiful thing that God intended for the marriage bed. That's something. That selfishness is something. But what Jesus designed, what God called us to, is something where I'm looking out for your good ahead of mine. And in the conversation, we're looking to to understand before being understood. So uh, Proverbs 18, 13 says, to answer before listening is folly and shame. Uh, 18 verse 2, fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing out their own opinions. (laughs) So these are huge pictures. The foolish are the ones that are just, man, they're airing out their opinions and don't really desire to understand what the other person has to say. 
They put listening behind and began to talk first. This is my favorite, uh, 18 verse 4. The words of a man's mouth are deep waters, but the fountain of wisdom is a bubbling brook. (laughs) I I love that word picture, and maybe it's just me that this is just so crazy convicting because it's easy for me to begin to use my words and use my words and use my words in this deep ocean of words, which is always going to end up in me saying something that I regret, something that I wish I could take back, me not listening and understanding and so missing the point entirely. And so there's this ocean of words. That's a fool. The wise man in wisdom is found and his words are a bubbling brook. He listens really well. She listens really well. She understands what's going on. And then when she speaks, those, those words move in power, but they're few, but really powerful because they've listened and understood well. Man, I want my words to be a bubbling brook. Look at this. Uh, one chapter before, 17, 28, 27, and 28. Whoever restrains his words has knowledge. He who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Even a fool, me, even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. You want the path to wisdom? Shut your mouth. <laughs> if, you be, if you're quiet, that's, that's a wise man, a quiet man who listens. A fool is the one who speaks up. He, uh, when he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent because he listens first. You know, this is one of the first things you do when a young couple wants uh, to go through some marriage counseling. We try as much as we can to remove all the cheesiness out of it, but there is one cheesy part that we just can't remove. It's cheesy, but it's, che- it's intentionally cheesy. And it's this thing of listening where you say, all right, man, I mean, you actually do this in the counseling. They're sitting there together, and you're like, okay, so, so say something. And she says, I like hamburgers. All right, man, so his, this is what you're going to do. You're going to say, so, baby, I hear you saying that you like hamburgers. Am I hearing you correctly? And then she says, yes, baby, I was saying that I like hamburgers. Now, that seems really crazy, but I'm telling you what. What will happen is if you don't do that, she'll say, she'll talk, she'll talk, she'll talk, she'll talk, and then he'll come back and totally miss what she said. Because what if she said, I like hamburgers, and he says, baby, I heard you say you like hot dogs. And she says, no, sweetie, I didn't say I like hot dogs. I said I like hamburgers. And now all of a sudden we're on the same page again. But it's because, fellas, don't listen very well. I'll throw us under the bus. Sometimes we're just ignorant, and sometimes we're arrogant, (laughs) and sometimes our ears just don't work, and we need to constantly be asking the question, am I hearing you correctly? so that we can get on the same page. Um, <laughs> you know, a lot of times, now if, you know this probably if you've been on a canoe trip with your spouse. Not always a good idea, usually a bad idea. And I was thinking about this. You know, when somebody falls out of the boat and they're going down the rapids and they're screaming out, I'm about to drown, I'm about to drown, I'm going to hit the waterfall and the end of the world is coming. And then the other person is yelling at them, it's two foot of water, just stand up. And both people are yelling at one another, but both of them are right, but nobody's listening to one another, and the the problem's not being solved, which is what a lot of our marriages look like. We're just both yelling, and nobody's listening, so both of us are right, but nobody's being solved. And if anybody would stop and say, hey, I I hear you saying the water's only two foot deep. (laughs) 
Maybe it's not such a bad situation. Maybe I should just stand up. Problem solved. Now, one kind of side note, if you want to make sure that you are not heard, all you need to do is start using words like always and never. Take the conversation that you're in right now and make it about things in the past. And use an uh, overarching word like always, an exaggeration, which is surely a, a lie. And the other person hears you say always and they go, well, that's not true. So I'm going to discount everything else you say. You just said I, I never make the bed. Well, baby, I did make the bed last year one time. You just lied. Now anything else you say, I'm going to discount because you just used always and never, which never <laughs> never, I can't use it here, never, ever works. So just remove that from the conversation. Make the conversation about right now and being understood, hearing the other person, understanding them well, and talking about what we're doing right now. And the last thing is, man, we have to get our mind around that we win by finding agreement. We don't win by getting our argument across. We don't win by my duking it out and we're the ones that standing at the end. Yeah, look at that. I won. That's, that's losing. Winning is us being united again, being one, not me and you, but, but we. Now we've, we've come to a place where we're on the same page, where we're of the same mind. The goal is not to be right, but to be one. Now, if you have ever seen that classic movie that's really, really special, The Waterboy, then you totally get what I'm trying to say right now. If you haven't, I'll just kind of give you the lowdown. There's this guy, Bobby Boucher. He plays for this football team, this college football team called the Mud Dogs. The Mud Dogs are in a 40-0 and losing streak, and they're in a game, his first game to play, and they're in a game where it's 7-7 seven to seven and the clock is ticking down and the other team has the ball. But that's okay because Bobby Boucher plays defense. And they throw a pass and Bobby goes out and he catches that pass and gets an interception. But, see, right before the ball was snapped, the, the old lineman, one of the old linemen, number 62, he said something to Bobby and made fun of his mama. And if you know anything about Bobby Boucher, you don't talk about Bobby's mama. And he said something about his mama. And so Bobby said, 62, 62, 62, 62, 62, 62. And all he was concerned about now, the game shifted. All he was concerned about was taking number 62 out. So he gets this interception. And then what does he do? He runs over to 62 and he hands him the ball. Because as far as he knows, the guy who has the ball, you get to hit him. So he gives 62 the ball. Well, he goes down and scores a touchdown. And they get beat. The Mud Dogs lose. But Bobby runs all the way down the field and does a drop kick, knocks the guy cold. And he's happy because he told, made sure the guy knew that his mama mattered to him. But everybody's sad because they lost the game. You know what? Most of the time in the conversations that we have, we're cheering because we, we think we won because we got our point across. And all along, we lost because we're further apart from our spouse than what we started. And that's the whole point. The whole point is oneness. So, I don't know, you know, um, each week, like I said, the, the application as we walked away was to go and to talk. 